the uncomfortable, uncomfortable truth. Did you know that there's truth that you're comfortable with and then there's uncomfortable truth? The uncomfortable truth is the truth that makes you uncomfortable. And it's important for us to understand that even the uncomfortable truth is as valuable as the comfortable truth, if not more valuable. I remember when I was a young boy, thank y'all. When I was a young boy, uh, Halloween was coming up. We loved Halloween because we would go to these subdivisions and we'd run from house to house. And we didn't have these little baskets for the, the, the candy. We had pillowcases. We'd... <laughs> And I mean, we just, wow, 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 beat the, I mean, we was on a mission. One night a year, you think about it in a young boy's life, one night a year, it was like heaven on earth. You could just have all the candy you wanted. And the main thing was, was that it was free. <laughs> I've got to say it, free is for me. <laughs> I just think, I love free. So I, I wanted to, Dress up. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't. We didn't have. Uh, I didn't have a costume. So I decided I was going to dress up like a Bible character or something. And I went and got. Uh, there was a. I was trying to find some gunny sacks, some burlap bags. They don't make feed sacks like that anymore. But they're they're, they're old burlap bags. And I was going to find some of them. They had an old barn there, and uh, I thought I will bet that barn's got some gunny sacks in it. And it had a no trespassing sign, but I was like, well, maybe. I just, I snuck across the fence and ran into that barn, and sure enough, they had some gunny sacks, and I got me a couple of gunny sacks, and I ran back out and snuck out. And I had, I had my gunny sacks, but I also had something that I didn't have before I went in there. You know what that's called? A guilty conscience. <laughs> because I stole those gunny sacks. Not only did I steal them, I trespassed. It said, do not enter, no trespassing. And I'm like, and, and so I, I, I'm, I'm walking around in the next week or two, and I'm, I got this burden on me. And I'm like, man, I can't take it. And then my dad gets up and he preaches about stealing, you know, and that's just <laughs> one of the Ten Commandments. And I'm sitting down there bawling like a baby, and I'm like, I know I'm going to hell. And I, I was like, oh. And I come down to the altar, <laughs> you know, and my mom comes up to me and she's like, Randy, what's the matter? Hi. Well, you can talk to me. Oh. You know how it is. You don't, you don't want to confess. So I wind up telling her, I said, man, I said, I stole, I stole a couple gunny sacks, and on top of all that, I trespassed. And uh, uh, I just, she says, well, what are you going to do about it? So, well, I asked Jesus to forgive me. She says, well, I think we need to, I think we need to get some, gunny sacks and take them back over there and make it right. I said, well, okay. So we got some gunny sacks and I was like, I didn't tell her there was a no trespassing sign. <laughs> so I was like, I went back and well, uh, one little, <laughs> anybody ever justifies those? So I just ran in there and threw them gunny sacks back in there and I called it, called it good. 
And I was thinking about that when I was getting this sermon about what makes us uncomfortable. Some of you may be looking at this story thinking, well, that was dumb. Well, no big deal, just a couple gunny sacks. And then I thought about the scripture that says, unless you become as a little child, you, sh you cannot enter the kingdom of God. We can't get so calloused in our lives that a couple gunny sacks doesn't mean anything to us. We can't get so callous that we can steal little things at work or take things that doesn't belong to us. And, and, and then we calculate it by the value of the object. Oh, we wouldn't steal a car, but no, we might, we might take some little things. Isn't it? And I know, know y'all don't do none of that. But I think it's interesting that we talk about it. It's, it's, it's essential that we talk about the uncomfortable things of God. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, um, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. Uh, and when he, the Sadducees was a group of religious people, there was actually two groups of religious people, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees, they did not believe in the resurrection, and that's how you can remember their, what they believed in because they didn't believe in the resurrections. They were sad, you, you see, Sadducees. And then the, the Pharisees, they, they, just, they just kept adding on to the religious things so many. And if somebody would get one of the things down, they'd add another thing to it. And even, they couldn't even live up to their reputation, but they had been in their religion so long that they thought that they were holy and everybody that came along wasn't good enough. And so it was a, a, a fight to ever be good enough. Somebody needs to hear that this morning, that, that being good enough doesn't come from the religious accusations that people bring on you. Being good enough comes from the shed blood of Jesus because of the shed blood of Jesus because you owed a debt you could not pay and he paid the debt that you could not owe so that you could become his righteousness and stand before the Father pure and clean before God. It's not by works of righteousness that you have done but it's according to his mercy that you are saved. Yes. Saved. Saved by the blood of Jesus. So he's talking to the Sadducees, and he said this. It's, it's just, it's, he's talking about marriage and stuff, but that wasn't the point here that I saw in Matthew, in Matthew 22, verse 29. Jesus replied, you, <coughs> to the Pharisees, you are in error because you do not know the scripture or the power of God. He said, you are in error because you don't even know what the Bible says. You are in error because you don't know the power of God. You are in error because you don't understand. Jesus said, he said in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the, was the word, and the word was with God, Jesus, and the word was God. 
And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. He's talking about the power of the Word, the power of Jesus, the power of the Bible that you carry in your hand, the power of the Scripture that we know there's so much. But he said, you know, you don't get it. He's telling the Sadducees, y'all all religious stuff, but you don't have a clue who God is. The uncomfortable truth. You're an heir. He said, you're an heir because you do not know the scripture. You don't know the power of God. In verse 34, it says, hearing that Jesus has silenced the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. He said, well, let's try our hand with Jesus, the Pharisees. And one of them, an expert, an expert in the law. That's what the Pharisees, they were like big shots. You know what a big shot is, right? It's a little squirt under pressure. <laughs> An expert in the law, they tested him with this question. said, teacher, who, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with some of your heart. I'm glad somebody knows the word and the power of the word and the power of the hand of God. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all, 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 all. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as. Uh oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Are you getting uncomfortable yet? Love your neighbor. Oh. Oh, man. We was good until then. You know why it's easy to love God? He don't ever mess you around. But when you get down to the neighbor, we got problems. <laughs> love the neighbor as you love yourself. There's a, there's a, there's a challenge for you. To love your neighbor as you. Oh, you want the truth? Well... I don't know. So, in this message, I preached this message at the Nesbeth Ropen, and, uh, and, and I felt compelled all week to pre come back and preach it again. And I'm going to use some, some stuff that I used before here, but I've, I'm just like, I used to not repeat myself. Try, I used to try not to repeat myself a lot with preaching the same message. Then God got after me, and he said, well, what if, what if I want you to preach that message again? Because they... Didn't get it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if you heard this before, uh, more power to you. In the movie, A Few Good Men. Now, I don't, I'm not going to sit up here and, and encourage you to watch that movie because there's too much cussing in it. It's an R-rated movie. I try not to watch it. Our way, our rated movies are just, 
I just hate it when they take God's name in vain. And there's other stuff, just if it says R, it says R for a reason. But in this movie, A Few Good Men, this one clip, I saw it on YouTube, and uh, we have uh, Jack Nicholson is up on the witness stand, and Tom Cruise is the, the young hotshot lawyer that just, he just like cocky little guy down there just... And uh, so they they get in this in this back and forth discussion about the code red. Did you order the code red? There was a young man that died in the code red, and and he said, "Did you, Tom, Tom Cruise? Did you order the code red?" And Jack Nicholson, "Do you want to know the truth?" And Tom Cruise, I want to know the truth. He says, do you really want to know the truth? And he goes, I think I'm entitled to the truth, Tom Cruise. Well, by the way, let me say this. Make no mistake, nobody is entitled to the truth. It's a privilege if you know the truth. It's a privilege to know Jesus because out of him is the truth. And we think we're entitled to a lot of things because our generation is the entitled generation. I want I want everything. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, <laughs> onions on my sesame seed bun. Get it right and get it right now. I'm entitled. <laughs> And bring me health insurance while you're doing it. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to the truth. You want answers? I want the truth. I want the truth. Then comes the answers that words are ringing in my ears regarding the eternal things of God. He says, you can't handle the truth. Jack Nicholson upon his stand, he says, I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom, a greater responsibility than you could ever understand. And I can imagine Jesus when he when he came down on the earth and everybody was bad mouth, everybody was whipping him, spitting in his face, putting the crown of thorns on his head. He said, You don't understand. I have a responsibility that you can't really fathom. I don't think you really know really who I am. And I don't think you know what I'm going through and why I'm going through what I'm going through. You don't understand the one that put the, th the crown of thorns on my head is the one that I'm going to provide eternal life to should that person choose me as their personal savior. The one who whipped my back, the one who got a hold of me and, and spit on me and, and uh, whipped me. I died for them. That's who I died for. I don't, th I don't think you, you, you that's, a, that's an uncomfortable person to mess me around. Do you ever have anybody mess you around? You ever have anybody just kind of do you wrong? I mean, uh, maybe not whip you, never, maybe not put a crown of thorns on your head, but just kind of maybe talk about you or do something like that, and maybe you're like, 
check them off the list. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? You with me? It's uncomfortable to know this kind of love that God has. Oh, for all those other people that messed him around. By the way, we're one of them. says, Santiago's death, while tragic, still saved lives. Jesus' death, while tragic, still saved lives. Now, Santiago was a, uh, it, it was a bad deal. But he was a weak soldier and wound up getting killed. But you see, they thought the same thing about Jesus. Yeah, he uh, he just he 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 won't fight back. He, and they they would say, "Don't you have Pilate? Don't don't you have something to say? Can't you?" And said that he he was like a sheep to the slaughter. And they just like, man, glad I got that over with. That's done over with. Still saves lives. And then he said, "My existence, though grotesque and incomprehensible to you." still saves life. My existence, though grotesque and incomprehensible. Did you know, I don't know if you all knew this or not, but Jesus wasn't a pretty boy. It says that he had no form or comeliness that men should desire him. In other words, he wasn't just... The, he, he wasn't the guy that they put on all the movies. In fact, I think, and this is just speculation on my part, I think the reason that he had no former comeliness that men should desire him was because he didn't want people to look at him and be attracted to him because of what he looked like on the outside. He wanted them to be attracted to him because of who he was on the inside. And what do we do? Just the opposite. <laughs> How I look. How I look. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. We all do it. <clears throat> he had, you see, it's what goes on right here in the heart of a person that has so much more value than what goes on on the outside. And too many times we are our own worst enemy because we are so critical of ourselves on the outside. We can't see the beauty that God made on the inside. Somebody needs to hear that because you are so critical of yourself and God doesn't like it because he's the one that made you in his image. Yeah. And I'm not just talking to the women either. <laughs> so Jack Nicholson, he gets up on his high horse and he's just like, they're just screaming back and forth. And, and he says, he says, you want me on that wall. 
I got my gun on that wall. Somebody's got to get up on this wall and defend the freedom and bring liberty to this nation. And if I'm not on the wall, he said, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. But while I'm up on that wall, you're going to the parties and you're talking about things that you just want to talk about. But you don't want to talk about the hard things. You don't want to talk about the, the things that really change our lives forever. He said, you just want to talk about the things that you are comfortable comfortable with at your parties. Isn't it something that we just talk about things that we're comfortable talking about? I'm, I'm talking to y'all right now. I'm not talking to other people. I'm talking to y'all online. I'm talking to you. What do you talk about the most to people that you are around? You talk about the uncomfortable things. The one who provided freedom and liberty so that you could have the freedom to have peace in your life. Do you talk about the one who sacrificed his life and gave his life? See, we're up here preaching and we're like, oh man, you need to be a witness. You need to, you need to witness for Jesus. Why don't you witness? You need to read your Bible. You need to know what the Bible says. You need to, and we get up here and we're just pointing our finger, pointing our finger. But I'm going to tell you something. If we love, if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, we will talk about him. And we will be proud to name the name of Jesus in our conversations because they need us up on that wall. They want us up on that wall. Nobody else is going to get on the wall unless God's army gets up and stands their post for the mercy, the grace, and the strength, and the power of the word of God. God, help the church. Help us. <laughs> he says, I have a greater responsibility than we can imagine. He says, you weep for Santiago and curse the Marines. So you know the Marines, they're all these you're these tough guys, you know. I'm sure we got some of y'all in here. Hoop, hoop. What do they do? Hoorah. Hoorah. Okay, we got one right here. Hoorah. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about the Aggies. <laughs> they so the Marines, they're the tough guys. You got to be a tough guy to be a, be a Marine. You don't, if you're not a tough guy, chances are real good. You got problems, may not make it. He says, you weep for San Diego and curse the Marines. Isn't it something like even in this movie, in this one clip, Jack Nicholson uses the name of God in vain. Too many times we weep for ourselves and we weep for our own position. We're like, it's just not fair. I just, it's not. And then we curse the God who created us. Why do people curse God? Nobody ever says, Buddha damn. <laughs> nobody says that. I never heard nobody do that. Nobody says, oh, Muhammad. No, 
Nobody says that. They say, Jesus Christ. Or they say, God. Damn. Why? It's because there's power in the name of Jesus and because the enemy, the enemy, the reason we got to be on the wall is because the enemy wants to suck us in to feeling entitled to the truth and feeling entitled to peace and feeling entitled to our relationship with God, entitled to heaven, and God forbid that anybody would ever preach about hell anymore. But my Bible tells me that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, a hell of, a hell to stay away from. And when we don't preach the entire context of the word of God, what we are doing, we turn out to be the people that steal the gunny sacks. And then justify it. They were just gunny sacks. Oh, we just got to cuss. When I get mad, I just got to cuss. God understands. Then we make up our own, we, we make up our own we turn into the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and we make up our own religion. Why do you think there's so many religions out there? It's because people are uncomfortable with the truth, and they just want to make something up that they're comfortable with. Yeah. There's a few minutes I've got left. I want to talk to you about three core values that I have that correlate with love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. The first core value that I have is, you might want to write these down. The first core value is, if I honor God, he will honor me. Write it down. If I honor God, he'll honor me. Did you know that God is on the honor system? If I honor God, he'll honor me. Because you reap what you so, when I sow seeds of honor, I reap honor back from God. When I sow seeds of honor to you, I get honor back. When I'm dishonorable to you, I am dishonored. In uh, the movie, Jack Nicholson, he says, we use words like honor, code, and loyalty. In church, we use words like love, grace, and mercy. The truth is that we've got to talk about the cross as well, that he paid a debt that he did not owe. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. And the reason that we have love, mercy, and grace is because of God's faithfulness to us and the debt that he paid on the cross because there would be no grace, there would be no mercy, there would be no faith in God had it not been for Jesus' sacrifice. And he said, this is the hard part, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be a part of my kingdom. Jesus said that. He said, you're going to have to take up your own cross. It's an uncomfortable truth. What that means is that you have to bear the weight of this life sometimes that is not fair to you. Sometimes because we follow Christ 
other people are offended because we bring conviction into the room, because we bring Jesus into the room. When we walk into a room, people are automatically convicted because we bring the truth of the Word of God, and not everybody wants to know the truth because the truth is light, and the truth is life, and the truth will set you free. And sometimes the light is offensive when the darkness is, the dark, is darker. It's offensive to people who live in the dark. Do you ever walk into your kid's room on, on school morning and it's dark and you flip the light on? Oh, oh, shut the light off. Shut the light off. It's too bright. It's too bright. You know why? They're used to the dark. But what we do when we honor God, we honor what he wants. Too many times we're too busy figuring out what we want instead of asking God what he wants for us. Second thing is people are God's greatest treasure. You, I can't, I don't even know how to preach this. I'm honestly, I can tell you, I don't know how to preach this because even just before this service, I felt convicted about this because there's people in this room that you don't feel treasured by God. And I'm telling you, you are God's greatest treasure. And if the enemy of your life can convince you that you are not God's treasure, he will rob you of your destiny. You are God's greatest treasure. And I'm speaking to somebody here (coughs) today that has spent their entire life running themselves down. God wants you to stop running yourself down because you are God's creation and you were made in his image and you are God's greatest treasure. And don't be running down God's treasure anymore. People. Our God's, Jesus didn't die for buildings. He didn't die for horses. He didn't die for boats. He didn't die for houses. He didn't die for our things. He died for people so that we could have eternal life. He treasures you. And if we can get, if we get off that track and we begin to treasure the things in our lives, we have lost complete focus on why Jesus died on the cross. And we value the things more than we do the creator. He said that we value the created more than we value the creator. People are God's greatest treasure. When I need help with my roping, I don't go to people that rope worse than I do for help. You're laughing, but let me tell you something. In the church, if we've got a problem, we run to people who will tell us what we want to hear. Like if you're, if you're wanting to get a divorce because you hate your wife, you're going to go talk to some guy that's had five divorces. That doesn't make sense. Am I right? I'm going to go find somebody who ropes better than I do. Find somebody that'll tell me the truth. Even though it may make me uncomfortable that I'm not good enough and that I need to work on some certain things, 
It's not a damnation of who I am. It's a problem with what I do. We got to understand that your value is never changed according to what you do. Your value is all the same, always the same, because God's going to value you whether you're stupid or smart. He values you the same. <laughs> I can't believe I said it like that, but <clears throat> we'll move on to the next one. <laughs> The third one is, is that the church is the only hope for America. You're the church. I'm not talking about the cowboy church. I'm talking about the people that have accepted Christ as their personal savior all over the world. Religions are man-made relationships or God-made. God's interested in the relationship. He's not interested in the name of the church. He's interested in the names of the people in the church. You're the church, and you're the only hope for this world. That's, that's the reason that it's important for us to know the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh. Why? Because we've got to love the Word. If we love Jesus, we will love His Word. Don't you think? And we, The preacher don't have to get up here and preach. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Read your Bible. No. Know the Word, because that's Jesus. Love your Love his word as much as you love him. And how you love the word, word will be a reflection of how much you love God. Oh, I don't read the Bible much. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't study the Bible much. Well, the word is the word. I hope somebody's listening to this. Because it's uncomfortable for me to say, but it's probably more uncomfortable for you to hear. But if you're not interested in the Bible, not interested in studying the Word of God, do you really love God? You really love Him. It's for you to answer, not for me to answer, but it's for you to answer. The church is the only hope. The Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, they, they prove that religion doesn't work. So in the, in the movie, there, the whole thing is about, about who ordered the code red. And uh, they're like, Tom Cruise is hollering at him, did you order the code red? Did you order the code red? And, and then the judge, he says to Jack Nicholson, you don't have to answer that question. I want to answer that question. He said, I ordered the code red. And, and it's just silent because it was a whole thing about the whole deal. And, 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 and Jack Nicholson, he's like, in his mind, he was justified in ordering the code red. And it's a Marine thing, you know, in his mind. Oh, I didn't read this to you. Here's a cool... In Isaiah chapter 53, stay right there a second. Isaiah chapter 53. 
Who has believed this message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up. My servant, that's, a, that's like the father talking about Jesus, the servant. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence, in the Father's presence, like a tender green, green shoot, like a root out of dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing, nothing, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought, everybody say, we thought. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. Here's the truth. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. Be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us. Everybody say all of us. Like sheep have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord, the Father, laid on him the sins of us all. The Father laid on him. I can imagine if it was a court scene Say, who ordered Jesus to go to the cross? And Jesus is looking over at the Father. You don't have to say nothing. And then the Father says, it pleased him. It pleased the Father. How could it do that? I'm talking about uncomfortable truths this morning. How could it be that God the Father it would be pleased to send the son, his son. I have a son. How could it please the father to send the son? Why? Because of his love and his value that he had for you. He knew that he could raise his son from the dead, that Jesus would have to suffer and suffer and suffer. But he knew at the end of the day that he would raise his son from the dead because he is the God over death, over hell, and over the resurrection. And that's what makes a true religion is because he is the God over the dead. <laughs> and we can have the hope, the blessed hope, and the knowing that when we die, when this, when our eyes close and our heart stops beating, that our last breath on earth is our first breath in heaven.
to love the Lord, the, my God, with all my heart? It's not that hard for me because I have embraced an uncomfortable truth that he loved me so much, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your word this morning. Lord, help us to continue to grow in our knowledge of you, in the knowledge of who you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for taking on my iniquities, for taking on the iniquities of the world so that we could have access to you and access to the throne of God. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This morning, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you see, it's not enough for him to go to the cross. It's not enough for him to die on the cross for your sin. You see, there's something that you must do. The scripture says that we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But he also said if we confess our sin, that he would be faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He said that we must be born again. And by being born again, we are admitting that we are sinners and that, that we need a Savior. So this morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest gift to mankind is the gift of eternal life. But you have to do your part. You have to accept the sacrifice that Jesus made because God honors you enough to allow you to make a choice to whether you want to follow Christ or you don't want to follow him. But it's up to you completely. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, maybe if you have and you just really haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Yep, right up here. Leave your hand up till we get a Bible in it. Thank you. Yep, leave your hand up, I pray. Anybody else? Slip your hand up high. It's the greatest gift known to man, the gift of eternal life. And it's a gift. Make no mistake. It's not of works. It, we don't have to work to get it. We don't have to give give so much money to get to heaven it's a gift of God anybody else preacher that's me I need Jesus in my heart if the Holy Spirit's talking to you this this morning just let, the, let, let him let him have his way in your life it's the greatest gift that you'll give to yourself as well anybody else preacher that's me slip your hand up high anybody thank you if you raise your hands I want you to look up at me would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Back in the back, over here. Come on up and let me pray with you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'm so proud of you. Tell me your name. Nicole. Nicole, thank you. So proud. Stay right here. I want to pray with you. It's a deal. Look at you, buddy. What's your name? Uh, Connor. Connor, I'm proud of you, buddy. You, you hear it, Connor. Anybody else? No, we had some more. Okay, look here. See what the Bible says. It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raising from the dead, we'll be saved. And it's an individual thing. Connor, this is for you as an individual. It's not because your dad's here. It's not because I'm here. This is just between you and God, okay? It's, a, it's the greatest choice you've ever made in your life. And that he gives you access. That's the deal. You have access to God, and he values you tremendously. 
Y'all help us pray. Y'all repeat after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now look here. It's just the beginning. You're going to have the same problems you had when you came in, but God's going to help you deal with them. That's the difference. And God lives in inside. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit now. God lives in you. So that's pretty special. What I'm going to ask you to do is go visit with these guys over here for just a second. I'm so proud of y'all. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Would you stand with me, please? I don't know, I don't even know how to ask this question, but just kind of come out with it. Is anybody need to know God better by studying his word more diligently? You just haven't been real diligent, as diligent studying his word as you know you should have been. Raise your hand. Yeah, I, that's, I, I don't think we can ever get enough of it. So let's all raise both hands. I just want to pray for everybody. Lord, I pray, Lord, you just help us, Lord, to, to know you, to know your word, to love you, to love your word. Help us to be faithful to you, faithful to your word. Help us, Lord, to understand that we are watchmen on the wall, that you want us on the wall, that you need us on the wall. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to be faithful people to your word, that we would not compromise the word, that we would not listen to what Joe Blow down the road says about your word, but we listen to what you say about our word, to be faithful to you and faithful to your word. And we thank you for it. We speak victory to everybody. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. God bless y'all. We love you. Got a prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, love to have you.